On today's episode of Yanks of the Cop podcast, we are joined by our special guest who shares his recent experience traveling to England to catch eight different Premier League matches. The young lads get it done with a one nothing victory at Anfield that sets them up for a trip to Stamford Bridge in the FA Cup. We look at the top performers of the match and assess whether any of the kids can take a leap into the first team next year. Uh, we also provide a quick transfer rumor roundup, and then we close out the episode previewing our next match um, against uh, the bottom of the table, Norwich City. I'm your host, Stephen Scanlon. Alongside of me is my co-host and brother, Andrew Scanlon. How are we doing tonight, Andrew? Doing great, Stephen. Doing great. The kids got it done against Shrewsbury at home at Anfield. The fans let them know that we love them as much as the first team. And, you know, these kids showed a lot of heart. It was great to see. Absolutely great to see. Love the energy from the kids. Love to see their passion after we won the match. But as mentioned, joining us tonight is our good friend and fellow LFC Boston member, Akiri. Akiri, it's been a little bit since we've seen you. Thanks for coming on the pod, man. How are you? Doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to discussing everything. Really looking forward to it. Um, the, the moment you told us about your trip, I think Andrew and I kind of had that circled as, yeah, we definitely want to get you on and kind of hear about it. Um, definitely. Know, us, us being from America, not being in England, something that we all want to do if we haven't done it yet. So I think having your, you know, kind of hearing your experience and how awesome that trip was, I think it's going to be really cool for you know all the listeners out there. So thank you so much for joining. Anytime, anytime. Awesome. Well, hey, let's get right down into it. The first thing I want to do is uh, recap the game against Shrewsbury. The boys got it done. All the drama leading up to the game. uh, Pulled it out with a 1-0 victory. Where I really want to start, actually, before we get into the starting lineup, Andrew and I talked about this last week, but Akiri, we'd love to get your thoughts leading up to the situation. Obviously, Liverpool got a ton of slack with Klopp announcing that we weren't going to play any first-teamers, and he wasn't even going to, you know, show up and, and be coaching the team. So, you know, we'd love to get your thoughts. What do you think about the entire situation? Yeah, so I kind of look at it from two different point of views. Um, I think it makes sense to not have any of the senior players play just because they had the break, and I'm sure they all scheduled their, you know, their trips to the Bahamas or whatever the entire time. But yep. I find it kind of odd where how Klopp didn't want to go and coach. And I, although I understand why he didn't, why he may have not wanted to, it's kind of it would kind of suck to be one of like the smaller clubs to be Shrewsbury, go play at go play at Anfield, and then kind of you want to play against a good team and against obviously one of the best managers on the planet, right. and he show up and he's not there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. No, I, I kind of agree with you too, and and we talked about it a little bit on the last episode where I don't really have a problem with him not playing the team. Obviously, it's it's his team; he can kind of choose yeah. what he wants, and especially with when you have a world class team like Liverpool and pretty much your entire starting lineup is playing for their national team. They really don't get a break. So I think that was very valuable for them. But from the coaching standpoint, I also don't mind him not coaching, but I think it could have been nice to have him in the stadium. Um, Exactly. Obviously with the U23 coach, I think it's better for the team having him run the team, but it does send a little bit of a bad message just not being there and also, you know, doing it way in advance. You know, it was definitely a shot at the FA, you know, kind of doing that to them and everything. But um, Andrew, what do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I, I think I'm kind of caught between both sides. I think he definitely should have played. And I said this last week. He definitely should have played um, some of the uh, senior members, especially the guys who were coming back from injury, like Joel Matip, Dayon Lover, the guys who were just like begging for time. Like if Joe Gomez goes out and one of those guys has to jump in, you don't want him jumping in cold. So I think this would have been a really good opportunity for him. That's and I true. do think Klopp should have been in the stadium as well. But 
now that we're past the game and we won one nothing, Klopp looks yeah. like an absolute genius. <laughs> right. He really yeah, no, one, no one really cares no one anymore. Plays. The average age of this team was 19 and 102 days. Like, and we beat a Shrewsbury side. Yeah, they're League One, whatever, but they were men. Yeah, they're grown men. going out there. Yeah. So he looks like an absolute genius. The FA looks like a bunch of idiots because nobody could watch this game either. They took away all broadcasting rights for this game and gave it to, I think, Tottenham against Newcastle. Yes. So yeah, even was- even in the U.S. too, like, I, I couldn't watch it. I'm at work, obviously, and I usually have like a little screen, a little uh, stream yeah. going on on my desk, and I couldn't even watch it either. Like even in, on ESPN, I was kind of surprised. I went, yeah, I went into the dark zones of the web and I found some. <laughs> shit, but, uh, I was able to watch the game, but uh, I wasn't proud of it. To be honest. Yeah, I no, I mean, I definitely got a couple of viruses on my computer for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying, trying, trying to find, trying to find the stream, but um, I mean, but but for me, I mean, I think that sends more of a message too. Is this like you know, Liverpool still sold out the stadium. Yes, the tickets yes. were cheaper, but we still sold out the stadium. It yeah. was a pretty good atmosphere in there. And then the FA, Great like atmosphere. you know, they were giving us so much crap about what we did, and then they go, they go and do something like that, and you know, I don't know from a revenue standpoint what that does to Shrewsbury, but that can't help not having any streams out there either, you know. Yeah, so I think they're, I think as as any any negative connotation towards Liverpool also should be directed to the FA FA and how they handled that entire situation. Yeah, you shouldn't. I don't. I don't see the logic in placing and obviously having the break. I don't. Now I know the FA doesn't control the EPL. So the EPL can implement a break, and then the FA can say, hey, we don't really care about that. But in my opinion, if they want to have a winter break, they should probably play more games earlier on in the year. Yeah, you, know you know how we have these double game weeks in, like, February, March, when players are already injured, they're already hurt? In my yes. opinion, maybe play, like, a, like a, a Saturday, Wednesday, in, like, September or October when there's no international games and no, um, no Champions League or Europa League. Right. And then that way you do your festive period because that's when everyone wants to watch soccer. And then after the festive period, just take, like, two weeks off. For like every division in every division in like on the UK, that way it's yeah. not just the EPL, but it's and not just League One, but it's the entire the entire like pyramid. No, but, I agree, and I, I just think the uh, going off of that too, just the entire English transfer window being different from the rest of Europe was really stupid. Obviously, they just changed that for the summer. Yep. I think that's Good. huge, but that yeah. has been such a stupid thing. Like, why not keep it consistent? And I think this is only going to help English teams, obviously, going forward having. Like a few extra weeks to bring some guys in. Well, the bigger thing too is um, it'll help the national team out too because it's like yes. all the like if you watch the World Cup, they do all the stats every year. All the players who get hurt in the World Cup are always players who play in the EPL, World yep. Cup, and Euros. So it's like yeah, Spain they get two weeks, Germany they get like four weeks. So if you give them a break, the team will do better. I also and like I don't you, yeah. yeah, I also think you should just get rid of the Carabao Cup. <laughs> Nobody yeah. cares about that tournament. I think if you win it, you win like. A hundred thousand pounds. It's like yeah, nothing. You get nothing. You get a little piece of silverware. That's that's great. Whoopie doo da. But if you want people to respect the FA Cup, which I think is a great tournament, get rid of the Carabao Cup. And like Kiri said, play more games early on in the year. Get yeah. through the first five rounds before the new year. Maybe even you know by January, and then you're sitting pretty going forward. So. No, I think Carabao Cup's a big issue, too. That, but also, too, I mean, you also look at this stupid new tournament that was created on the international level, the, the League of Nations, whatever that was. Yeah. Like, they keep oh adding these others, like, these more international breaks and all these games, I feel like are just redundant at this point. Like, no one really cares about the League of Nations, you know what I mean? Like, who cares about that <laughs> tournament? And, that, yeah. again, that's just more likelihood of guys getting injured and they already play year round as it is. And anytime they can get a two week, three week break, like that is massive. And they just don't get enough of those anymore. 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's actually kind of nuts when you think about like, when you compare that to like the NBA, like the NBA over here, like oh, NFL. Yeah, yeah. players will make thirty million dollars. Like they'll be a bench player in the NBA, and they play. You know, what do they play from November to? If you play to May, if you're good, you play till like March if you're like not a good team. And most teams give up by like January, and they yeah. make dollars <laughs> a year. And then it's like you play you like you play soccer over there. You're making two hundred k a week. Maybe you're making like twenty million, like ten million a year, maybe. But you're playing ten months out of the year. But no, my God. It's yeah, just no. different. Yeah. And, and, and then the, the sport that goes the longest is baseball, but they don't fucking move in baseball. You can be, you can be, a, you can be a fat ass in baseball and be one of the best players in the league. Like, yeah, look peck, at that. Peck dips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Peck dips. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, – but I think also, too, like we kind of touched on it a little bit, but pushing that transfer window back also and giving us an extra month, um, I feel like a lot of times, too, especially before this, this change happened – English teams would get put under the gun a little bit when it got close to the end, their end time where we'd probably have to spend 10 million pounds more than, uh, you know, a team maybe from Spain or France to get somebody mm-hmm. because yep. we only have another week left where they have a couple other weeks left. So yep. um, all in all for the EPL, I think that's going to be good for us going forward. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but hey, let's, let's tackle this game against Shrewsbury. Um, obviously, like Angie said, average age of 19 loved this starting lineup and loved that the boys got it done. So, you know, starting in the back, we had Kelleher and Nett, uh, Nico Williams at right back, Hoiver, Vandenberg, and then Lewis to round out that defensive line. Our three in the midfield, we had uh, Shiravella, we had Kane and Clarkson, and then I love these three up top with Elliott, Millar, and Jones. Overall, I think, for me, there was only about five guys that really, really stuck out to me. Uh, I had Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, Siravella, Nico Williams, and then Vandenberg. Um, he really shot. He really surprised me today. But what about you guys? What are your thoughts on the overall lineup and how the the young guys played? Yeah, that um. Oh, sure. Thank you. That um. That Elliott kid is. He's really, really good. I think, what is he? Sixteen, like maybe seventeen. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, 16. Or maybe 16. just turned seventeen. Yeah. He'd be, like a, he'd be like a sophomore in high school. It's crazy how good he. Like, even the game against <laughs> Asabella. When he uh, when we got when we got smacked by Villa, he still played like out of like out of the game. It was crazy how good he was. And yeah, then, yeah. Sure. So I'm really impressed by him. And then the Jones kid, he had the I think he scored the goal in the first game against um, Shrewsbury. Very good finish with his left foot. Yep, yep. Uh, he's not a bad player himself. I just don't know how he's going to get playing time on our team at least from just from an overall point. I don't know how any of these guys are really going to find time to play, even if they're given a chance. It'll be a few minutes uh, at the end of the game, obviously. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to get to that in a little bit. Um, I think I think we have a lot to talk about with a lot of the people who could be leaving, and you know, some guys that were that are were kind of considering to replace them. But I agree with Elliot. You know, especially back in that Villa game, even though we played, you know, we lost, you know, four or five nothing. He was one of the best players on the pitch for both teams. Uh, he was so flashy. He just scored that bicycle kick goal a couple of weeks back. And oh my God, yeah. The fact that, was- that he's as small as he is in stature can still have an impact like he is. Like, he's not, obviously, he's not messy or anything like that, but like, it's hard to be that size and impact the game like, like you are. And uh, yeah. that was one of my biggest takeaways. But uh, going over to you, Andrew, you know, who were your you know, biggest guys? I know you're a huge Nico Williams guy. Yeah, so I have a little little something something for each one of these guys for the most part uh these two players so i thought nico williams i thought he was the best player on the pitch um mm-hmm. i i did i had the, i was fortunate to watch this game so i saw that he had you know he had multiple chances i think he had the most shots um out of anybody on our team uh we did have 14 shots four on target i think he might have had two of them as a right back that's how many chances he was getting 
Uh, he looked to be the most creative for me. You know, he's whipping in crosses. I think he's really going to put some pressure on Trent, which is only good for Trent. Uh, but, I mean, I read an interview from him saying that every day at practice, he just constantly watches Trent and see what he does and how he reacts to certain situations. So this kid, 18 years old, he's behind one of the best backs in the world. Um, I don't know what you do with him going forward. I don't know if you loan him out, if you try to keep him, let him develop under Klopp and Trent because he's that good. Um, so we'll see where, where his future lies. But I thought Pedro Chervella, um, he's really impressed me since the beginning of the season. I, I, when I saw him at the beginning of the season, I was like, this guy needs to get out of here. But recently against Everton and these two matches, these two legs, uh, um, I thought he looked like a captain out there. He was composed in the middle of the park. He was controlling the tempo. He was winning tackles like Jordan Henderson. He just looked really, really good. He could switch the field very efficiently. So I, I really liked how he's been going. I think we could possibly sell him this summer. I don't know if Klopp would, would, would want to keep him. Just, you know, let the kid have some first-team first action. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vandenberg and Hoiver. I thought they were absolutely immense in this game. They, yep. um, they were composed in the back. They won their one-on-one battles. They were great in the air. And I actually read something online. I forget who the interview was with, maybe John Actenberg, the goalie coach, uh, the goalkeeper coach. But um, they, I guess all the managers were concerned about this game because Shrewsbury were so big. I mean, like I said earlier, they're basically men out there going against kids. Mm-hmm. So they were concerned about set pieces and corner kicks. Uh, but these kids just dominated in the air. And they just were so – they had a solid – they just had provided that solid foundation in the back that you need. And I think that's what, one of the essential pieces in this game that uh, allowed us to win it. Absolutely. And, and I, I really wanted to focus on Vandenberg because he has not been playing that well, you know, for the U21s and the U23s when he's been out there. He has been exposed and there's been a lot of talk among, um, you know, the people who get to watch those guys play all the time saying he's not what we were expecting to get, that he has been underperforming yeah, but- and all this stuff. But when you look at him in, in this game today, you know, he's starting with, you know, a lot of good guys out there and, when I saw him and I saw the team practice and, and you know, watch the game at Fenway this summer, the, one of the first notes I made when I watched the team walk out to practice was Vandenberg's one of the biggest guys on the team. Uh, yeah. He, 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 he was just tall, you know, he, and, and he looks like he's solid. Um, so I was really impressed with him. And now he, you know, he did not show any fear. He went body to body with all these guys. And he really played well today and kind of showed everyone what we could be getting. Yeah, I mean, when I when I saw him at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were complaining about him, saying that he was a bad purchase, you know, he hasn't been playing well, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, this kid is 18. I think he was 17 when he came in. And it's tough. I've been saying this all year. It's really tough to adjust to the English game. Yeah. It's like, it's very fast-paced. It's very physical. And when you're a 17, 18-year-old kid coming into the league, you need to bulk up, you know? You need to be ready, <laughs> need to be ready for those kind of uh, – encounters with the opposing forward. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's great to see him and how he's reacted to the situation. Um, so, no, I think, I, think he'll, I think he'll come good, especially watching Van Dyke every day. I mean, you can only get better and better. Mm. And yeah, then I think, the, I think the flashiest play of the day, I think we can all uh, agree, you know, to give Curtis Jones a shout-out here, was that beautiful nutmeg that he led to uh, the draw foul right in the corner in the offensive zone. Oh, yeah. Where he, he faked the pass to the top of the 18 oh, yeah. and ended up just snaking the guy right through the oh, legs. Yep. I mean, yep, exactly. Yeah, he's uh, he's I think he's a really good player. And, you know, kind of <clears throat> to my ultimate question here with this team, you know, I look I look at the guys here and, you know, kind of what we're thinking with the transfer window. It sounds like, you know, Lovren might be gone. 
Sounds like Shakiri is going to be gone. When all of them I heard might be getting an extension, which I'd be all about. Um, but is. is anyone on this team that you think might be able to sneak into, you know, not, not obviously not a starting role, but maybe, a, you know, a deep bench guy? Um, well, I think maybe Elliot or Jones, but don't forget too, we have Harry Wilson out alone at Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. And he's, he actually, he's been playing. I mean, he has like six or seven goals this year, which is pretty impressive for yep. your first like full season. So I'm sure if maybe if he comes back, maybe one of these guys doesn't get a chance that they would have gotten if almost maybe we sold Harry Wilson, which is a possibility as well. Cause apparently we're very good at selling players for more money than they're worth. <laughs> if, yeah. if you look at like Solanke and Jordan, I, I mean, he sold Solanke for 20 million. He hasn't scored a goal yet for Bournemouth. So maybe we'll sell Wilson and then maybe we'll just keep one of these guys that we already have on the books, but. Yeah, yeah go, saw, going off of that, yeah, I yeah. saw a report today actually that said that Liverpool might be looking to sell Harry Wilson for thirty million pounds. And for me, I think that's a great number. Uh, you know, exactly. He's had six or seven goals again for a team like Bournemouth that is fighting for relegation. But I, you know, I look at Harry Wilson and I, I, I love him as a player. I think he's good. But I think when you're a world class team like Liverpool is right now, he. The only thing that he could really add to the team is his free kick ability, but we also have Trent right now for that. So we don't really need a guy like him. So True. I think if you can do, you know, some sort of, a, you know, maybe $30 million with a buyback clause in, in case he does blow up. But I don't know if he has that world-class ability in him. I think he, he would just be a really solid Premier League, tier, uh, Premier League player to maybe a little bit above average. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's twenty three, twenty four. I mean, when I when I saw him at the end of the season get loaned out, I I thought to myself, well, if he comes back next year, he could be a replacement for Shakiri because I mean, Shakiri isn't that great defensively. Uh, he's not that great on the press, and I, I think that Harry Wilson would be something similar to that. But he does provide world class crosses. He can score the. He can score goals. He has a great left foot. Um, but now seeing this guy Curtis Jones, Stephen, I think you might have mentioned this last week. But um, he could be that replacement. So if you ha- sell Harry Wilson for 30, sell Shakiri for maybe 25, 30, you know, you, that's 55, 60 million right there. You can pick up a quality player uh, and, just, yeah, and just institute um, Curtis Jones in, into, the, into the first team. It's, it's just, for, for me, it's just like, you know, Klopp kind of has to decide. And it seems like recently when it, when it comes to the guys who are about to break into the team, he would rather have them stay around the training ground and maybe just train yeah. with the first team play with play, and then play with the U twenty threes and then the guys who are maybe still a step or two away like um you know like Brewster and those guys maybe you loan those guys out yeah um so like when I look at the team and what we need like I would love to see you know a guy mm-hmm. like Jones maybe be you know fill in for like Lalana or you know Shakiri um you know right. in that role Nico Williams I think. I think he should be the backup next year because I, I can't stand when Joe Gomez plays that right back. Um, and then maybe – and then like a guy like Elliot, I, I still think just because he's so young, he might do better with staying with the U23s or even even maybe loaning him out to a, a lower-level Premier League team or to like a German team or something where he can go out and get minutes. Yeah, I just, I just really want to see Harry Wilson get some time at Liverpool, at least give the kid a shot. He's an academy player, you know. You've loaned him out for the past three years, I think. Give him a shot for the first yeah. team. If it doesn't work out, get rid of him in January, you know. I don't care if we lose $10 million off of it. Like, whatever. Just give the kid a shot. Uh, but don't forget, we also have Marco Grujic over at Hertha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You're right. Yeah. I'm totally sure about him. Yeah, exactly. And he's like a big, big guy in the center of the park. He can play pretty much anywhere in the midfield. So, I'm curious to see what they do with him because I think – 
Hertha Berlin wants to buy him from us, but I think he's due back from our loan this summer. So he is, yeah, and he's been playing well for them too. Obviously, the, the fact that they want to keep him in, and like you said, I think with his body type, he just gives you something different in that midfield, and he definitely could be a guy that maybe he, he's like Lolana, where he only gets about ten, twelve appearances a you know a year, but that could still be valuable. And, and you know, yeah. when, it's a, when it's a one nothing game and we're up with in the last two minutes and we bring him in just to head anything out of the box, you know. Yeah, he's six feet tall. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, good point. That's a very good point. So, overall, I think that was a you know, good game for the Reds. Made, made, oh, yeah. uh, made, made Klopp justified in his decisions. But, you know, that sets us up for another matchup against Chelsea. This is going to be the third time we play them with one more time to play them in the Premier League. We're going to be going – to Stamford Bridge, you know, what are your boys' thoughts in the first game uh, on this game? Play the kids, just play the kids. You want to do that? I, again? I'm not, yeah, I don't, I'm not as maybe this is just me not respecting the FA Cup. I'm not as big on the cups as maybe as many people are. Mm-hmm. My goal is just Champions League EPL. Now, it would be cool to say that we won the treble if that was to happen or the double, just because. All the, all the United fans that we know just keep bragging about their trouble back in who knows when. <laughs> yep, exactly. I like to see the kids play. I think it's good to let the kids play. The benefit, too, is that they're probably going to play against a very good Chelsea team. And even if they get beat badly, I think the experience of playing against, like, top-level players kind of – it kind of it humbles the players a bit more, in my opinion, as opposed to playing against Shrewsbury, where even though they're grown men, you know you're better players than them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would – I'm going to slightly disagree with you. I would want them to play some of the kids, like the kids who have earned it, Nico, uh, the guy, all the guys we've talked about, Chivella, Vandenberg, Hoiber, Elliot. Curtis Jones, um, but I do. I think that he needs to take this opportunity and play some of the guys that haven't gotten the minutes. Like that's the, that's where I think his mistake was this past go. Um, play the Shakiris, play the Fabinho's, play the you know all those guys, Lovrens, Adrians, whoever. Because you never know when an injury is going to be picked up. You never know when a guy is going to need to be slotted in as a substitute. I mean, look at Shakiri last year. He came in in the Barcelona game at home. I think he had one or two. I think he had that huge assist to Wijnaldum at least. Yep. He had a pretty good game. So, I mean, yeah, we yeah, right. yeah, so we need that, like, we need those types of performances from the substitutes when we get deep into the Champions League. So, I, I think this would be a great opportunity for them to get some minutes. Yeah, see, so I, I tend to side a little bit more with uh, on Akiri's side and, and going with the kids. We can't for, lose to Chelsea. Yeah, but <laughs> I hate Chelsea. No, I agree, but there, there's two reasons why I kind of – We all do. We all hate Chelsea. And, you know, so, like, my first reason with wanting to go with the kids is, number one, they're the ones who got us here. You know, number one, you know, playing these two – you know, playing this game, they deserve to be rewarded and, yeah. and, go, and, and playing against a team like Chelsea at their stadium. But also, number two, you got, you got to remember, you know, Chelsea's still in the Champions League and – they're in a fight for their life for a top four spot. That's true. So they may have to rotate their team as well for this FA Cup game. And it's, it's still only the fifth round, not even in the quarters yet. Good point. So they're, and especially with injuries to guys like Cam Abraham and Kristen Pulisic, you know, uh, Hudson Adore is coming back from injury, starting to play well. They're going to need to rotate some guys too because they're pretty thin right now, uh, especially up, up top and then the shaky defense. So I think that you could still go ahead, play the, you know, play the kids. And you still might be able to get out. <laughs> you still might be able to sneak by them. So, but not all of the kids. No, no. So maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know, so maybe you play like Lolana and Shane, <laughs> and saying. then maybe like one of Matty Lovren in the back, so you have some leadership in the spine. But then other other than that, you go with all the other young guys. 
um, because, because like you said, I still want, like, I would still rather have guys like Kaita and Fabinho. I don't want them playing in that game for potential to get hurt when we're going to need them to play crucial minutes in the Champions yeah. League and the That's Premier League. That's a good point. It'd be a better game for, like, a Lalana and, like, Shakiri. Like, yeah, okay. I, I agree. I agree with that. Good point. Yeah. Thank you. I well, I guess, that. Yeah, I guess the real question is, is it, um, the next round, you know how for the FA Cup, the EPL is, like, off that weekend? Yeah. Yes. So I was curious the next round was, like, the bye week for the EPL, or is it like this weekend where they do both FA Cup and the EPL? Mm, yeah, that's that's a, that's, think, that's a good question. That's a good question. If it's, a, if it's like an EPL bye week, then maybe Chelsea would just play the regular players because they don't have a game that weekend. So we have, yeah. So we play we play Chelsea uh, March third, um, yep. and then we play. So before that, we have Watford on on the last day of February. So what? Uh, you know, we have two or three two or three days before that. And then the next oh, game okay. is Bournemouth, and that's four days after that game. So we do have a little bit of a gap there, which is nice. But yeah, you know. But then, but then again, you know, we do have the Atletico game in the in the West Ham game, like before those. So I think that our, you know, I think our first yeah. team might be stretched a little bit. So March yeah, March third is a uh, a Tuesday, I believe. So that weekend, yeah. the weekend prior, there are Premier League games. Yeah, we play Watford, and then you know, there's yeah, so there's EPL games that weekend. And the following weekend is also EPL games. So it would just be a, okay. it would just be a midweek game for us. Sure. Yeah. So maybe you would want to rest players then. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Then. Um, but cool. So I think that gives a pretty good highlight of the, of the Shrewsbury game. Again, yep. congrats to the lads for getting <laughs> the job done. But uh, really the main point yes, of the sir. episode and the main thing that we want to talk about is, you know, our boy Akira here just uh, got back recently from a trip out to England. He, he caught eight different Premier League matches and actually no, seven Lucky Premier League bastard. matches, uh, you know, one championship <laughs> match. Um, and I think we're going to have a ton to talk about here. So, Akira, I'm saying kind of kick it off to you. And why don't you just talk about the entire experience and we'll kind of start, you know, asking asking some questions throughout the way. Yeah, it was um, it was different. Like, everything was just – so it was my first time in England, obviously. Um, we actually got really lucky with the weather. Like, it didn't rain once. Wow. It was like 55, 55 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. What? So, no it was, way, just, Yeah, it was crazy. So, like, we got in the 24th or the 20th – yeah, 24th, and then we were there for Christmas. That was kind of awkward just being – it was me and my buddy. Just, like, we went to, like, a restaurant. It was kind of a weird to be away from the family for Christmas. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it. Weather was good. There was plenty of foreigners. Um, everyone's like, oh, you're American. Where are you from in America? I'm from Boston. What are you here for? To watch soccer. And everyone's like, what? You're here to watch soccer? soccer? And I'm like, yeah, we're here. <laughs> yeah, no, but, like, that, oh, like, of course, yeah, like football. But we're there just to watch, like, the goal was just to watch games. So everyone was like, you're not going to tour around or anything. I'm like, we are, but we're here to watch, like, football matches. And, um... It's honestly, the EPL is exactly as advertised. Like, I can't compare it to, like, the Bundesliga or La Liga because I've never been over there yet. But, like, what we watch on TV is, like, what you see with, like, the crowds and the atmosphere is exactly what you get when you're actually there. Um, every game was, like, inter- well, most games are interesting. And, like, even – but, honestly, just going to the stadiums themselves was probably the best part. Like, people are chanting, singing their songs. Like, they're clapping. Like, it's never quiet on the way to the game. Train station is full. It's packed. Every restaurant's full and packed. Um like, I, like the whole experience as a whole was just like I'm jealous of every kid who, they, who was able to do this from like three years old and on. Unbelievable, you know right? What I mean? yeah. Like, like you go to a Patriots game, maybe you tailgate and like have a couple beers, like break a table or something. You just have fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, like over there, you know, they don't like. There's no parking lots because everything's in the city, so there's no space. So you have to take the trains. Like once you get on the train, everyone's singing already in the train. And it's kind of funny. People who don't like who don't like soccer over there, they just they probably just hate their lives because <laughs> everything's just football, football, football everywhere. Yeah. But um, 
And the weirdest thing too is that you don't you don't wear like your colors out around the city unless it's game day, especially in London. Especially in London where there's so many different teams, so it's like you don't wear your scarf out on like a Tuesday. You only wear it if you go into the game or if it's on game day. Well, just because you never, Europe. yeah, someone might come up and play yeah, in <laughs> exactly. Like you might be in the wrong. Like and it's obviously gotten better now. We talked to plenty of locals about it, and I guess back in like the seventies, eighties, nineties, like if you were in the wrong part of like town, it was like not going to be good for you. Wow. So now it's just kind of. That's just kind of how it is now. It's kind of crazy how, like, intensely they take their, like, um, like being a fan over there. Yeah, their fandom. So my brother and I actually, with, our, with St. Mike's, where we, where we played soccer for four years and went to school, um, we did XL Travel, which is like a travel yep. agency or whatever that kind of books the games for you, takes you around or whatever. And something that we noticed is that we went to a Manchester United game at Old Trafford. And I don't know if you experienced this at any of the eight games that you went to, but when the Newcastle fans that they were playing against came through, they were basically accompanied by um, Bobbies, which are policemen over there. Bobbies on horses. Yep. On, on horses. Yep. And basically all the United fans were just chirping them the entire way. Did that happen over there when you were at the games? Yeah, so that's honestly, that was probably the best part. Um, <laughs> so, no, yeah, serious. So if you look at the stadium, so pretty much there's an away sections area in every stadium. So it's probably like in the corner, usually it's in the corner. You, if you watch the games on the weekend, you kind of notice it in the back corner. There's always yeah. like the away area yeah. and they have their own turnstiles, their own food, their own bathrooms. They come in on their own trains, their own buses, everything's separate. Like every wow. single thing. I didn't realize um, that. And then the newer the stadium, the more separate it is. So for example, like Emirates, for example, they have like, it has like its own area. So the Emirates stadium's in like a big car park. Mm-hmm. So it's Gillette stadium, picture Gillette stadium. But then imagine like a quarter of it is just blocked off just for the away fans. And they enter the stadium that way. They get the food that way. Bathroom, everything separate. And then yes, they have cops on um on horseback just riding around. Cop, the the horses are shitting everywhere. There's shit all over the floor. <laughs> they, don't, they don't clean it up because we, we like we would go over to the stadium the next day and there'd still be shit on the floor. But um, way fans like it's like their own. It's like their it's like it's as if they're at their own game. If that makes sense, like everything's completely separate. Oh yeah. And then when they when they. Yeah, and then it's bad when like the um, then the cops are obviously split between the away fans and the home fans. So everyone's talking shit over like the fans, like throwing beers over the over the cops. It's it's mayhem. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolute mayhem. They like it's, it's supposed to. They should do that in the states though. Like football games. Imagine having like a football game and having an away section. I don't know. I guess it's a bigger country, so it'd be harder to get the like, the away fans. There yeah, and so like that, but... that's the big thing. So like locals over there will say, "You live in America. Like, what's the farthest game?" I'd say like maybe L.A. and that's a you know a six hour flight. Right over there, over there, it's a six hour drive across the entire country. Yeah. So it's like, and then also we we're a bit more. I guess we're a bit more cordial at games, depending on what Twitter account you're following. But, <laughs> that's true. So, but um, I don't like. It's just it's crazy how everyone's kind of with their team and they're only with their team. You don't just like, you know, you don't bandwagon none of that. You kind of just pick your team and you stay with it no matter like through the thick and through thin, no matter how the team's going, you always stick with your team. And I love that aspect about it. And the away fans are by far the most crazy fans. Like you go to a home game and obviously people live locally, they go every now and then, but the away fans will travel. They'll get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, take a bus on a six ride bus ride from London all the way up to Newcastle and then drink on the way up there, drink at the game, Yell like crazy and take a bus ride back home and get on with their day. It's like it's a full day trip for most most of these trips. Well, yeah, think about it. Like if we were gonna go over there and watch a Liverpool game, we would want to go to Anfield. We wouldn't want to go to like Stamford Bridge or the Emirates or the Etihad, you know. So that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like the hardcore yeah. fans are going to the away games, but um, exactly. Steven, you and it's also yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say too. Um, you have to buy the the away f- tickets are sold by that away club. So, for example, if I want to go to like an Arsenal game and it's Arsenal versus Chelsea, and I'm a Chelsea fan. You have to buy the, the Chelsea tickets through Chelsea. 
So pretty much the clubs kind of sell their away tickets to the home team. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. That's why there's no, yeah, that's why there's no like mix up between like you're never gonna find a home fan in the away section because you buy the away tickets through that away through that away club, completely separate. Yeah. See, I love that. See, I, I wish, I wish the states was like that where like they kind of have it only for like the Super Bowl and stuff like that where it's like or like the college football championship where it's like the yeah. stadium separated. But I wish yes. I wish they did that too for like. You know, even just normal like NFL games, like you go to you go to Gillette Stadium, That's and what I'm yeah, that would just be way way better because ultimately, with you know the the especially the traveling fans, because like you know the Patriots fans, they travel really well. You put them all together, and I think that is when you're going to really start to see them be more rowdy and stuff because exactly. they're not separated, they're not surrounded by twenty other home fans. You know, they're all together, so they can be confident to jump up and the team scores a touchdown, be, you know, stuff like that. And I think that's really the biggest thing missing from the experience is the seclusion among away fans. Exactly. So that's exactly what it is to be honest. Like imagine yeah. the Patriots at home and the jets come into town and there's a bunch of New Yorkers in like a certain section of the stadium. Oh my God. That, that exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be so, and it might fun. even, it might even limit like the fights and stuff too, because you're not going to have fans next to each other, right. like side by side. So it might even help out with like from a safety point of view as well. Yeah, and that's where all the fights happen too. Is on the way out of the stadium when one team uh, loses like a tough, you know, a, a tough match. You know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden one person gets separated and gets jumped by four guys. You see it every single year. It happens every single yep. time, and that's exactly what the problem is. So, exactly, uh, USA could we could definitely take uh, you know take a lesson from that, but. Let's get into the games themselves. You saw eight sure. pretty freaking good games. So, uh, what kind of separated them? Let's start with the first two. You saw West Ham at Palace, and then yep. City at Wolves. I mean, those are just seeing the games like you know on paper. Those seem like two really good matchups. Kind of you know, so at Palace that stadium, and then at the Wolves Stadium, which I hear is one of the best atmospheres around. Um, yeah, yeah. What were those experiences like? So I'll start with the Palace game. That was um that was obviously the first game I went to. Um, so it's like in southern London, like a really kind of like old like blue collar kind of area. Um, the stadium's really old. Like you could look at it and it's like you could tell it's like beat up, but that kind of makes the atmosphere a bit better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny how you kind of you're just walking through the city and then the stadium just pops up. It's like it just co- comes out of nowhere because it's not it's not too big. It doesn't like wow you, but you just kind of you see homes like apartment buildings and a, a stadium just kind of built behind it. Um. Atmosphere was nice. That game. That was a game when um Jordan Ayew had that nice goal at the end when he chipped oh, the keeper. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. So and yeah, so we were sitting like four rows up, and um, let me tell you, Wilfred Zaha. P- people say what you want to say about him. One v one, he is unreal. Like he's got his foot skills are just it's just it's like bar none. Like I don't. You can say Messi, Ronaldo. One v one, he's just it doesn't make a difference. Oh, like yeah. when it comes to everything, yeah. Scissors, step overs. He dives a lot, which kind of. You know, annoys me every now and then, but like with the ball at his feet, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, I think he's one of the best dribblers in in the EPL for yeah, sure. I think he, has the, yeah. I think he has the most dribbles in the league. But uh, our our buddy who's a huge Chelsea fan, uh, shout out Carlito. He is uh he's like he's like desperate to get uh, Wilfred Zaha over at Chelsea for the uh, January transfer window. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. And then the um the City Wolves game, obviously with us having somewhat somewhat of a stake in this game, being Liverpool guys. I wanted to see City lose so bad, and it was it did not start off good because um, they went up two zero, mm-hmm. and um, that's the the Wolf Stadium. I think might be the best stadium in like the entire country. Now, mind you, I've, I've only been to what five stadiums, but they sang the entire game. Like we didn't sit down once. We were in like kind of in the back corner, mm-hmm. but we didn't sit down the entire game. We saw the Ch- the City fans were kind of in front of us, and they were they were obviously were happy when they were up two zero, but um, 
they have the they just have songs after song after song. Even walking to the stadium, you have to go under this tunnel, which is kind of sketchy. And they're in, we're in the tunnel singing, just singing the entire time. Like obviously, I don't know the words, but people are just singing, you're clapping just, their hands, coming along. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, well, they have the, they have their own version of um, uh, you know the uh, Steve Senor song for Bobby. Yeah, yeah. for Raul Jimenez, right? Yeah, they have their own version for Raul Jimenez, so that's actually kind of cool too. But um. The stadium was crazy. The fans were all pretty welcoming to us. And um, just the game itself, they were down 2-0. That was the one where Edison got the red card. And oh, um, yeah, and then, right. and then um, this guy, Treor, I've never seen a player that big just play soccer, just mu- like muscle-wise. It's just the fact that he can run 90 minutes is just like impressive to me personally. Yeah, but, um, yeah dude. He, a guy like that doesn't make sense on how thick he is and how he moves his body. Like, how does he not pull exactly. every muscle in his body when he moves that fast? He looks like an NFL running back. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, no, because he's like 5'10", 5'11". Like, he, they say 175. He's easily 200 pounds. Oh, like, he's, he's, yeah. a big, he's, a, he's a big guy. And then, um, yeah, I think that's bullshit. But it regardless, is, is. He, he can say that. But then – um. And also, too, I know, I'm, once again, I'm not a, the biggest fan of City, but I can respect good players. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva, I don't think I've ever seen two better players ever. Wow. Just, like, obviously live is what I'm talking about here. Obviously, Messi and Ronaldo are the two greatest currently, but they were playing with 10 men, and De Bruyne was – and Bernardo Silva pretty much took over the midfield by himself because they moved – but I think they got the red card. They took Aguero off and subbed on a center back and then kept Sterling up high and then had Bernardo Silva playing the midfield by himself with two, with uh, Mares and De Bruyne out wide. Oh, wow. And he was playing one he, he was playing one versus two. It was him versus uh, Jean Matinho and Ruben Neves in the middle of the field, and he just dominated the game, even with 10 men, which is it's absurd. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, he's a fantastic player. I do have a, yeah, I do have a question for you. Like, um, he's a really good player as well. And it, just, it was really fun to kind of see them play live because you see them on TV and you see the passes they that pass from like from their point of view. Andrew, you got a question? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, sorry. I hear. I think you're going in and out there. Um, but I did have a question for you, Kerry. What was like the going back to the West Ham Palace game? I know that's a London derby. How was what was that like? So we were um so we, we were kind of like adjacent to the um the away fans like the away the away Palace the away um West Ham fans and they were going crazy like the away fans were going nuts. And that's what I said before. It's like it's only like a thousand, maybe two thousand of them. So because there's so few, and they're always like the biggest diehards, they're the ones who are going to be singing the entire game. Um, on the field, you didn't really see too much. I think partly because uh, Palace is so far south of the city. Like they're in London, but they're so far south of the city. They're not really like in the city. In the city, compared to right. like um, compared to like a West Ham or an Arsenal or a Chelsea. So I don't think it's as big of a derby, um, so to speak. But it is what like that's, they they call it a derby because they're both in in London, but. Sure. Like I think their their borough is called Croydon, and it's kind of like out of the city. So I wouldn't really they call it a derby, but I wouldn't really say it had a derby atmosphere. Hmm. What about um, what about Chelsea Arsenal? I know you wanted to cover that one next. But, yeah. Uh, my, so our parents actually went to uh, England a few times, and they went to the Emirates for a game. They said that was the nicest stadium that they've ever been to. Oh yeah, the the seats were cushioned. <laughs> um, they, it's not typical, typical Arsenal fa- fashion, right? Um, the seats were, <laughs> the seats were heated. We, we were in a section where the seats were actually heated. So you could no sit on your, your butt was like warm. Yeah. It was luckily it wasn't too cold. Um, cushion seats, the atmosphere, because it was a derby, it was pretty good, but compared to the other games, it was kind of like kind of lackluster. Um, that was, um, that actually was Arteta's first home game. So the crowd really liked him a lot. And that Arsenal actually played really, really good in my opinion, defensively. 
they went up 1-0, and then Chelsea came back and scored two goals at the end of the game because Mustafi is just an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yes, he is. And Tim, and Tim Abraham's a good player as well. He didn't he didn't play too good that game, but he finished his one chance and he scored. It was actually look for that. So we got those tickets through Arsenal America, which is like the big American group. Kind of how we have the bar. There's like one for all of America for Arsenal. So we were in, uh, okay. yeah. So we were in a section with all like Americans, like in the back corner, which is pretty good too. Oh, there's actually not one bad seat. That that stadium's kind of like um, you know, they talk about how the Garden has no bad seats. Like that stadium's kind of similar because you're so high up, but you can still yeah. see. He's have a very good angle of the field. Um, the atmosphere, like I said, was kind of kind of drab, but it was cool to kind of see Arsenal play. The kid I went with was actually a big Arsenal fan, so that's part of the reason why we went. Um, you all the songs and everything. Exactly. The the worst part though was that Pulisic was hurt, and we didn't get to see Pulisic play because that was really why I wanted to see Chelsea play so bad. Was- oh yeah. Captain exactly. America. That did, was the game. They, I, did they tie that game? Oh no, that was that was two one Chelsea. Um, oh, okay. so they tied later. yep. Chelsea scored two goals in the um in stoppage time to win the game at the end, and like the away fans were going crazy. Like it was, yeah. and once again, so we were right. We were, once again, we were right behind them. We could see them, and like you get to see how like when they got the goal at the end, Tim Abraham runs over to the away fans and just starts cheering. People are just throwing beers up. They're singing everywhere. They're saying like, "Fuck, fuck you, Arsenal." <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, and then, and even better. So, like I said, how they have their own their own exit. Um, they they actually the away fans have to wait for forty five minutes after the game before they can leave. That's why they always wait. I always yeah. wonder why they always like they're always like singing after the game, especially if they Ex- win. You know that. So that's the reason why they're not. Just so to limit, out. yeah. So because it's a derby, to limit any crime or anything, they um or any violence, they have them wait in the stadium for forty five minutes before they leave. So yeah, that's why they do it. Huh. Damn, can you imagine losing the second for 45 minutes? That was fucking yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Speaking of losing, so the best part, we actually got to see Arsenal Fan TV. Cause um Oh no, yeah, way. yeah. So they're right okay. there. So the like Arsenal Emirates is in its own little park. So picture like Gillette Stadium, how you kind of pull up, you're on a, what route one, and then you kind of pull up to this whole area, which is just Gillette Stadium. That's kind of how Arsenal is, mm-hmm. um, or how the Emirates is. So you pull up and it, it just, it's just the park just for the stadium and like the you know the team store, all the different stuff they have there. And um, Arsenal Fan TV, they kind of just post up in this little corner. Um, it's the same spot every game. People who don't even go to the game go to Arsenal Fan TV and just wait there for them. <laughs> so we get there. Yeah, so we get there, and there's like 200 people already waiting there for like, you know, DT and all the guys. I don't know if you guys know too much about it, but it was um, – Our friend's a big Arsenal fan, so we know a little bit about it. Yeah, it was um, – I met Troops. He was obviously pissed off. He actually was – it was funny. Like, I, I roll up, I'm like, is that Troops? I'm like, yeah, that's Troops. And I was like – are we doing blood? I don't know if you guys watched the show at all. I was making, I was uh, like making fun of his accent, and it was just funny. But um, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> I was like, so I, was, I like said, "How you doing, blood?" And he's like, and I said I was American, so like, why are you saying blood? I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm just making fun. I'm just having fun. He was, oh, whatever, whatever. But they were not in a good mood at all because like, it was trying to be cool. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, at least they played. They played a bit better than they had done prior to Arteta coming in. Yeah. You know what I mean, like they were their defense was brutal before. Now it's more of individual errors as opposed to like the team not being set up correctly. So but um yeah, that was that game, that stadium was just unreal. Like it's better than any stadium I've been to. Well, I've been to the um Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. That stadium might be number one, yes. but this is easily number two. Easily okay. number- Yeah, I heard great things. I heard great things about uh the Emirates, obviously, but then you twice went to West Ham's new stadium. So you saw them against Leicester and against Bournemouth. Yes. I heard that because of how that stadium is situated so far off the field that the atmosphere is a little bit not as good. But, yeah, I mean, why don't you share about – why don't you share – Yeah, same there? thing. Um, so their stadium is even beautiful as well. 
and they're they're in the Olympic Park. So even once you get to the stadium, it's like you have to walk another like half mile to just get into the actual fields because it's just it's almost too big of an area as well. But um, I spoke to a lot of local fans like on the on the train ride over, and none of them like the stadium at all. Um, it looks real nice. It's wow. bigger. They get they got it to fill up a lot last year, and now that they're not really playing too hot, so no one really wants to go anymore. There's no atmosphere at all. Like pretty much, the way locals explained it to me was the old stadium fit like 35k uh, Upton Park, I believe it was called. It was really small, but pretty much only Dyer fans could go to the games. You couldn't really get you know tourists to go to the games. You couldn't get any people who just are neutral fans to go to the games. But now that they're in the big Olympic Stadium. All the, the same Dyer fans are there, but they're all spread out. There's no real fan section. Like, there's no cup for the stadium. You know what I mean? So, they, yep. you know, they sing their song, their, um, what's the Blowing Bubble song, and it's, like, yeah. not loud. Yeah. It's not as fun. I don't know if you guys have seen Green Street. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. How can you not? So, like, I was thinking, like, it was going to be like that. But ever since they moved to this new stadium, it's not the same way anymore. It's almost too big. Yeah, no, and that's what, exactly what I heard because I remember even in recent memory when Liverpool would go to Upton Park and it would be incredibly yeah. loud and you would hear all the time about how crazy West Ham fans are and, you know, shout out to uh, Green Street Hooligans. Amazing movie, one of my favorite yeah. movies. Um, but, you know, and then all of a sudden they go to the, they go to the Olympic Stadium and last year, even last year, I can know the atmosphere was better then, but it, you can even tell by watching on TV it wasn't the yeah, same. It's, it's, yeah, it's... And a team like that, I think lies on their home field so much and i think going to the olympic stadium yeah there's more people but because it's bigger they're not as loud and not you know they're slacking yeah, I've read a lot of articles uh, from west ham fans or even on twitter saying that they think that they're relegation zone now because of uh, one of the reasons could be because of the stadium just because of that lackluster um, atmosphere so oh i agree 100 like 100 percent. this is like once again the stadium's beautiful it's more like an american stadium i, I compare it to more like an american stadium here right but um that's, that's but problem. i was <laughs> yeah, well, no, exactly. So, like, I, if I had one one tip for any club in the EPL, just don't – or any club in England, period, do not build a new stadium. Just do what we did and just kind of upgrade your old stadium. You know what I mean? Like, don't well, try – yep. Yeah, I think they had to, though. They they So, uh, London hosted the Olympics. So, yep. that stadium was just sitting there. So, they're like, okay, let's just give it to West Ham. They need a new one, you know. Or I think maybe West Ham bid on it. I forget what it was, but – um but yeah, I mean, they just kind of got screwed over. I, I'd much rather have a smaller stadium, like you said, Upton Park, thirty-five thousand fans are right on top of you. Isn't exactly. There, isn't there a track that separates the fan, the fans from the field? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the, the track's there, but they have, they put like seats over the track on like at least oh, on the yeah. on like the end zones, like on the side. I think it's still kind of in the way. It's not like it's not too too far, but it's still farther than like you know Anfield or farther than Palace. Like Palace, we we sat in the fourth row at the Palace game, and you, we could probably like spit on the players. We were that close. Oh. I mean, Damn. so like, I love that aspect of it. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but I'm just making a point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> but, but so in those in those games, obviously you saw West Ham's team was 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 Pellegrini still the coach? Uh, no, that was when um, what's his name came on um, David Moyes. David Moyes. Moyes wow. Yeah, it was um, it was cool. The games themselves weren't really that good. Um, Leicester they rested all their players, so there was no Vardy, there was no Madison, which was kind of depressing because I really wanted to see that play. Uh, um. I think Leicester actually won that game 2-1 on a, on a PK, on a, a tough PK call. We're, we'll get into VAR in a little bit. VAR was just – it's crazy how slow it is when you're actually at the game. And then, oh, I can't yeah. wait to talk about and that. Then, yeah. um, and then even the uh, the other game was the game against Bournemouth, and that was a game uh, – West Ham went up 3-0 at halftime, and it was just like – the game was over so early. 
But um, that was a game when Haller had that crazy bike. I don't know if you guys remember that bicycle kick that he had. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So that was yeah. we, were, we were right behind, we were like right behind the goal. We were like I had like ten rows up, but ten rows is like so far at that stadium. But we were we saw it like directly. Um, that was pretty cool. I know one player that I thought was played pretty good was on um, Jefferson Lerma on on Bournemouth. Who's kind of a random player, I guess, to pick mm-hmm. out. I know his team. His team they played awful, but he actually played. He held like held the game pretty good by himself. He he's playing holding mid. He's a very small guy physically, which I was kind of impressed by. He's like five seven, and like really really slight, but he's really good with the ball. He's actually really really strong when you see him play live. Huh. And um, if he was on a better team, I think he'd be a much better player. He's one of those guys where if he was on a team that was top of the league more, you really see his talents go out. But when he's on a team that's not doing too hot, he's kind of just another guy on the on the boat, so we'll to speak. Probably see that soon. Yeah, the little bit I've seen of Bournemouth, I haven't watched them too much this year, especially because of how poor they've been. But he almost reminds me of a poor man's Ndidi because he he's not afraid to go into a tackle, even though he is a little bit a little bit smaller. Um, and like you said, he can control the game when need be. So he, he's kind of like a cheap man's Ndidi for me. But um, moving on from West Ham to their rival Millwall. Oh, yeah. So you did see one championship game, Luton against Millwall. What was that So like? to start things off, so of course, I don't know if you guys saw me on Twitter. So I posted a picture. Did, so, yeah. um, so that day, that was the first. So um, we had New Year's Eve the night before. Of course, we're out hammered. We, uh, we get back at 5 a.m. on the first, back to our Airbnb. And, uh, this, and this game was at 1230 at Millwall. So, and, and the, and the, yeah, and then the West Ham. Drinking, to stay awake and keep drinking. Well, that. well you know, also one thing is weird about there. You know, you can't drink in your seat. Yeah, it's yeah. Long, you have to drink before. So pretty much, you drink before the game, or you drink like in the city, walk into the game. Then you chug like three beers at halftime, <laughs> which is not safe. And then obviously you finish the game, then drink when you leave. But um, is it open it was, container? Like, can you just drink beers? Yeah, walk yeah. into the stadium. Yep. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I was where we were. No one, no one gave me anything about drinking. So yeah, we just you just go to a liquor store or go to like a convenience store, buy a six pack, and just drink it as you're walking to the stadium. As long as you weren't being belligerent, I don't think they have an issue. <laughs> but awesome. um, yeah, no, it's really, really, really cool. But um, yeah, the Millwall game that was that was something else. So I'm trying to think where they are in the city. They're close. They're close to West Ham. They're close to where West Ham used to be, so to speak. But um, they they have their own little borough, and um, that game was just unreal. So we show up. Uh, we meet some random people. They're like, they obviously, you could tell we were tourists because we didn't know where we were, obviously. And um, we met this <laughs> random guy. I said, hey, where are you from? Oh, we're from Boston. Oh, so apparently um, this guy, John Berylson, he runs like Chestnut Hills Venture, Venture Capital or something like that. He actually owns the club. So a Bostonian owns the club. So as soon as That's we, pretty sweet. Oh, no yeah. shit. So as soon as we said we were from Boston, they, they like loved us. So like we met these random people. They bought us all drinks and everything. Had a great time. Um, they were playing as Luton, like Luton City, I think is the name of the team. Um, so the stadium wasn't even full, but the away section, they have the away section was the whole like um, end zone of, on one side of the stadium. Luton probably had 100 fans and they were loud as hell, just 100 of them. And they're about, yeah. rele- about to get relegated from the championship, but all the fans still travel. I think it's a three-hour drive from where they were to the stadium. And um, they scored the first goal and they just went ballistic. Like you, you couldn't <laughs> even hear yourself talk and it was just 100 people. And um, so we were in the big fan section for all the uh, the Millwall fans. We sat pretty close to the stadium. Once again, it's like if I like swung my hand out, I could probably hit the like the referee on the on the sideline. Like it was so close to the See, those stadium. Are the stadiums I like that are like yeah. small, they're compact. That's kind of like what the stadiums in the MLS are starting to do. They've realized yeah. that they're like you're not going to sell out Gillette Stadium, so may as well book you know build a little tiny stadium that holds maybe twenty to thirty thousand people and just have them on top of the field. Exactly, exactly. Like they're really small, old school kind of stadium. Um. 
the away fans, like I said, were really, really good. Um, the shit talk was gold from these Millwall fans. They just talked so much <laughs> shit. The re- like the sideline referee, like the amount of shit he probably could file like like charges against some of the people. Some of the shit he was hearing, <laughs> like it was crazy. And I'm he talking, must, he must go to therapy or something. They have, dude. To. Like I'm talking grown ass men, their wives, like their kids. You have like five little kids. Fuck off, fuck off, you little cunt. Like it's it was gold, dude. I'm I'm talking children. Part of my language, like children, like, and it's just I'm sitting there. I'm like, literally, just he hears all this and doesn't doesn't turn around and look back. He doesn't wink an eye. I'm like, it's just crazy how old, how just how old fashioned at least this club itself was, and even like the football itself. Um, long balls, long balls, long balls everywhere. Oh, the like, old English game. Oh yeah, like I enjoyed it because it's like it's good to see the, like like the difference. You know what I mean? But it was like pretty much ten guys or nine guys who ping long balls, one guy who can actually play. You know what I mean? Um, so a lot of pace. A, there was a substantial drop off from watching the Premier League to the Championship. Well, at least for these teams, yeah. I, I, from what they were telling me, like West Brom, um, Leeds, they all play. They play good soccer. Yeah. But like some of these, like Norwich played really good soccer last year, I believe too. And Sheffield plays good, played good soccer as well, apparently. But not every club has the same way of playing. So you got to do what you have to do to get the result. But like yeah. plenty of pace, like wingers. And the one thing I noticed too is, um, you get no respect. Like defenders give you no respect. So, for example, like Messi's in front of you, you're going to give him space because you don't want him to beat you. In the championship, you just go 100% at, at every attacker. Like, you have no time on the ball. Like, I, I can't, you can make the argument that it's probably harder to play soccer in the championship than it is to play in the EPL, like from yeah. an offensive point of view. Much at least 1v1. Yeah. Yeah, you get no respect. Like, if you're a young kid coming up, it's probably a good, um, uh, like, a good humble, like, humbleizing event to play against some men, some of these grown men in the championship because they give you no, no space at all. But even in the game itself, so Luton was up 1-0. 80th minute goes by, and then uh, essentially Millwall scores three goals in five minutes to win the game, and the, and the place went nuts. Like that was that's why I actually enjoyed being there, and um, like I bought like a scarf. Like I'm like a I'm like a legitimate. That's like my championship team. That was Millwall. Like I love Millwall now. Just yeah, for some I was, stupid. I was following reason. your photos on, on Twitter. Did you, did you post a video too? Yeah, or maybe it was on Instagram or something. But yeah, it, it looked unbelievable. The atmosphere looked like it was just madness. Yeah, no, it was great. And it's funny, a lot of um, so some fans obviously were looking through my other pictures and I, I posted pictures at every game. So of course they're like, what kind of Millwall fans goes to goes to a West Ham game? And I'm just like, Well, I'm a tourist, so you can hate me or you want to hate me. <laughs> I'm, I'm promoting your team right now. And the thing is, I think they're actually like in sixth place, so they're actually they're in a playoff spot right now. So hopefully they can find their way up into the into the EPL. Awesome. Yeah, the championship is actually pretty interesting. There's like nine teams fighting for the top six spots for the playoff run. They're all like right there. Like it seems like Leeds is gonna get through, and then um, I think Sheffield Wednesday is probably gonna get through. But then that third spot, who's gonna go up? It, it's up for grabs between like four or five different between four or five different teams: the Derby, Swansea, Millwall, a couple other teams. Right there. Exactly. So that rest of that year is gonna be um, is gonna be good to watch. But the last two games, and in my opinion, probably the two of the biggest games that you went to, uh, especially from a Liverpool's perspective. But you saw United at the Emirates again. Yep. Uh, but then you also, uh, our boy Sheffield, you know, uh, at Liverpool. But let's let's talk about the United Arsenal game before we really dive into that Liverpool game. But what was it like having those shits from Manchester, you know, um, watching them play at Arsenal? Oh, man. Three words, man. United are shit. <laughs> and I couldn't be more happy. It's like, I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how long you guys have been Liverpool fans for, but growing up, all of our friends are, are United fans because they always want, they always win. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, it's oh, just, yeah. it, it just feels, call me petty. It just feels so good to like be top of the league and just see United just be shit. Like, I love it. There's just nothing I like Dude, more. Rubbing salt in the wound, man. That's what I do it's, every day. Like, it's just, after all these years of abuse, it's just great to see them lose. Like, they, um, 
Yeah, they were not. They were not good at all. Like this is. They still had Rashford at this time. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, old Gunner is just. I don't know what he's there for. I don't. He's at the wheel, baby. Yeah, he's at the wheel. He's <laughs> every time. I don't want him driving my train, car, bus. He's just. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and like it was. So the, for that game, the atmosphere was great. Obviously, United's a big rivalry to Arsenal, and then obviously being a Liverpool fan, United's our biggest rival in my opinion as well. Um, they sucked, like I said. Uh, but Rashford. Who, who won that game? That game, Arsenal won. That was Arsenal's like first win in, in a while. I think yeah, it had been the okay. first win. Was it two nothing? Yes, it was two nothing. Okay, yeah. Um, that guy Pepe, Nicolas Pepe, just embarrassed the hell out of uh the left back for Arsenal for uh for United. Luke Shaw. Yep, Luke Shaw. And yep, Pepe's an interesting guy because I don't think he he doesn't know how to finish. I think, but one v one, he's he's kind of like Zaha. Um, the end product isn't always there, but one v one is just like good luck. Dude, I mean, I think the thing he, with him, he needs to keep it simple. Like, yeah, he he does yeah, way does. too many stepovers. He has the pace, he has the skill. Yep. Beat one guy, don't try to go back and beat him again. Just run by nice. him, cross it, or shoot. You know, just keep it simple. I mean, he was the same guy. He didn't he didn't he beat Van Dyke earlier this year, like one v one, like he had him. In, yeah, he, he I mean, technically, technically, yes, he dribbled by him and recovered. Yeah, yeah, Van Dyke yeah. recovered, but yeah, probably because because he doesn't know he doesn't. He, I don't think he really wants to pick. <laughs> so, like I think he wants to beat you, then beat you again, then beat you again. Like kind of like what you just said, but um, he's like but, Gus. He's like Gus on the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was with Gus yesterday. That, that's hilarious. Dude, that's um, him. That's him. It really is, though. But um, that game was good because it was good to kind of see Arsenal actually play good defense too. So you could tell that Arteta kind of had them. Even even Oldzil was running that game, like defensively. Yeah. But that was also first good game in a long time. I know he hasn't really gone back to that, but that was the one game where I was like, oh, Oldzil's not not bad because I don't really like him as a player personally. It's more from because of his like mental the way he like goes at the game. Yeah. Um, obviously he's been a great player, but I don't. That game, he actually did a lot of work defensively. And even a lot of the younger guys, too. I was impressed by – Um, I think there is – it. I, I'm forgetting all the names right now, but I know they have a lot of young guys who are playing as well who actually did really, really well. And I was impressed by them. Yeah, they had uh, – uh, Maitland Niles Maitland, yep. was playing outside mm-hmm. back. Yeah, he's really impressed me as, um, this year so far. And I think um, I think that was also the game when um, Nelson, Nelson got subbed yep. in, their young guy. And I think even yeah. Saka might have played that game. Yeah, Saka, too. yeah, Saka played the last 20 minutes. He played really, really well based on what I saw. But um the atmosphere for that game was like a typical what you would expect from an EPL game. Um sadly it only happens for the big games for Arsenal, but regardless, the atmosphere is really they were singing songs every minute, like every minute on the minute. Um whenever they scored, it was going really good. The banter for the United fans was great too, because at that at that time, United were doing worse than they're doing now, obviously. I think Arsenal were only a few points behind them. I think now Arsenal's many more points behind them, but at that time there was plenty of shit talk about how oh we're gonna finish ahead of you, we're gonna finish ahead of you. Yeah. Of course that's not gonna that's not gonna yeah. hold true, but did did the United fans travel well? Yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty so the way Arsenal or I'm assuming most teams do this, they have like their section and depending upon how many away tickets they sell, they can make it bigger and bigger, if that makes sense. So it's like they'll book yep. out like maybe a thousand seats for the away fans, then if but if they sell two thousand, they'll do two thousand. And I think the max is I think is five thousand. So I, I think they filled the entire match. I think they had about five thousand fans united, or a little bit below that. So they had the fans were there all pretty well. Um, after the game, they all seemed pretty. They they didn't really rub it in. Um, it seemed like they know that they're not doing too well, so they just kind of they stay quiet. So their fans, their fans mm-hmm. don't seem to be the most. At least the fans that were at the game, they don't seem to be too petty about. Oh, we want a trouble. We want a trouble. We want a trouble. I suppose like the Chelsea fans, we, when we left the stadium, the, the Chelsea fans were like, oh, we won everything, we won everything because they have the Champions League, the EPL, FA Cup, as opposed to Arsenal who don't have all that yet. But um, they, they, they seem pretty content knowing that they're not doing too well. But at this point, 
they had that buffoon running their club and they have gunner at the wheel so we'll, we'll yep. yeah fun. exactly the last the last question i have for you regarding that game because he started and it drives me crazy how bad is jesse lingard <laughs> oh my god so it's funny so so, <laughs> so my buddy who's an arsenal fan he thought that you know lingard you know how he went the whole year without scoring a goal or an assist he still yeah. has no goals, no assists. I, I know. So that game was, was January 1st. So my buddy thought that he was going to break the record against Arsenal. Because it always happens against Arsenal. Just without... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he didn't get a shot. He is – um yeah, he, he's, he's pitiful. It's – um Yeah, he sucks. It's, it's like they play him a pass. It's, it, it, it's got to be hard to beat Rashford, you know, Linga, uh, Rashford, uh, Martial, even like Fred. It, you play with this guy and it's like, you don't he doesn't deserve to, he doesn't deserve to play with you. You know what I mean? It's like – um No. Like I remember I, I listened to the – uh the uh, Peter Crouch podcast. He talks about his first day at Liverpool and how the first thing Steven Gerrard does is he pings you like the hardest pass on the planet that you shouldn't be able to control. But and if you can't control it, he doesn't like you. That's just how <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, well, it's like, funny. It's funny with Lingard because like I look at Lingard and like even last game, Bruno Fernandez first ever game with United, yeah. and he's bossing Lingard around yeah. the pitch, telling him where it, to go. And it's like exactly. I, I think players, so I think bad. players play with him, and they're like, you know what? He's just here. He's just here. Like we know he's here, but we don't. Yeah. We know he's not good enough. But it is what it is. We don't pick the team. So let's talk about something that matters. Let's talk about Sheffield yes. at Liverpool. Oh yeah. So- the Anfield experience, uh, what and we love. I'm sure you listen to the other podcast, Akiri, but we were huge Sheffield guys yep. too. Just their fans are awesome. Yep. The way they play soccer is awesome. This was a really awesome game, uh, uh, you know, for you to be <laughs> at. What was it like at the motherland? Oh, dude. At so first thing is, it's weird to be. You know, watching games prime time. We don't have the luxury to watch like soccer games in prime time because the time difference. This game was a, had an 8 p.m. kickoff, and it was just weird to watch like a like a like a Liverpool game at night. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and even so, we got into we got into Liverpool that morning. We had the whole day there. We just kind of went to some bars, met some, met some locals, etc. Um, we're walking to the stadium, and like I could feel like like the butterflies just like hitting me. The game was still like an hour away, but just kind of like seeing the stadium, just like like that. And the, oh, um, yeah. That new main stand makes the place so much bigger. Like you can see it from anywhere now because of that new main stand oh. that they added on. Which, like I said before, I think clubs should just make their stadiums bigger as opposed to building a new one. And um, so obviously we sat in the cup uh, with another. We, we were with two other people from LFC Boston that I had never met before. And then even our whole section was all international fans. So LFC like Nova Scotia, LFC like Hong Kong, like it was all all international fans were there, which is pretty cool as well. Um, and then you never walk alone came on, and it was just like like I was like about to cry. Like it was just uh. it's crazy. Like yeah. I'm sure, like you guys are gonna have the same feeling if you if you go or when you go, etc. Yeah, it's we like stop fucking up. We're gonna go next year. 100%. <laughs> yeah, we keep fucking up. Like, when you watch, like you watch, we we watch these guys play for so much time. We've invested so much of our time, to, like follow them, watch them play. Like you have a podcast, etc. And then you finally get to go there for the first time and like actually like live what you like what you what you thought you were gonna see eventually, and just like all that emotion kind of just hits you at once. So the singing, you never walk alone. Like that goes on. They're singing all si, senor. Every single song just keeps going on and on and on. We didn't get to sit down once. Like the cup, everyone's just standing up, obviously. Um, luckily, we got that goal early. That was a game where I think uh, Mo got the goal early because he pinged. I think Trent pings along. Oh, yeah. to, uh, the defender slipped, right? Yeah. Yep. To, uh, to Robbo. And let me say, Trent, I don't think I've ever seen a, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure I've never seen a right back play like that, but it's just, it's how good he is. It's just crazy. Even during that entire trip, that was when we played against Leicester on a boxing day, and he had that that goal that he had at the end of the game when he made the late run and pinged it far post. It's like he plays like like he's a holding midfielder, and it's well, just well, you've, you've seen me play, so I mean, 
Oh, oh my god! <laughs> but it's um, I, I'm of the opinion that if like if like a David Beckham was to play today, he'd play right back and would play how Trent plays because he he plays that kind of he has that kind of style of play where it's like he creates the play, he'll find a pass anywhere. Um, he doesn't really beat you end line like I'm sure Trent has pace, but he doesn't really beat you with pace. He more he beats you more with like with his skill and with his, his intelligence as opposed to like his actual physical attributes whereas most outside backs kind of like a robo they beat you because they're faster than you they beat you because they have more cardio etc right and it's, watching him play live is like you can see how like he just the whole field is pretty much reachable when he has the ball at his feet besides, and then uh, besides you'll never walk alone what was the uh what was the best song so you never walk alone si senor was on every two minutes because everyone loves robbie i mean everyone loves uh bobby and then um um the we've won it we've won it six times we've won it six times was a big one too um, and then Champions of the World. So was, since, since we got the, um, uh, the the FIFA Club World Cup, whatever yeah, it's called. That's right. Yeah, like we're Champions of the World. We're Champions of the World. Sing, uh, Fields of Anfield Road? Yes, yes. That's like my Sing favorite song. That. Like yeah, so, yeah, I agree. yeah, I agree. That's my favorite song, like, lyrically. I agree 100%. Um, kind of funnily, my favorite song probably of all time was the old uh, Luis Suarez song back in the day. But oh, just yeah. it, it was just real fun. But, um. Yeah, no, they sing every song. Every player, like, you make a good tackle, they sing your song. Van Dyke wins a header, they start singing his song. Like, everyone has a song. Um, I didn't even know that, like, uh, they love Andy Robertson's song, too. Who had a song that I didn't know about? I guess Hendo has a song, apparently, that I just didn't know. Oh, it, yeah. It's, it's, oh, I don't yeah, I haven't, I haven't learned the words yeah, of that one yet, but I did hear Jordan that for Henderson? the first time. Yeah, it's more like a chant than an actual here's song. You, but, Jordan uh, Henderson. Yeah, yeah that, I think that's what it is, yeah. Like, that, um, but, yeah, we got the early goal, which is good, and it kind of killed – like Sheffield kind of knew that if they went down early, they didn't have much of a chance. But like they're a very good team. Um, they couldn't really utilize, you know, they have their overlapping like center backs. They couldn't really utilize that as much because Trent and Robbo were just so high. Um because yeah. pretty much I think that game was interesting because uh, I think in that game, usually what happens is Hendo will cover the outside backs, Hendo and uh Genie. Yeah. But in that game, Hendo, Hendo actually split the center backs that game, and then Van Dyke and Gomes got real wide. And then I mean Hen uh Robbo and Trent were pretty much playing like in the attacking box the entire game. Um Oh, so they just kind of set up in a low block after that first goal, and they're just trying to counter. Exactly. But um, and then the, Mane got the goal late in the game as well. And like I said, we're singing the entire game, and it's, the game finishes at ten o'clock, and people are still going crazy. Like everyone's still drinking, and it was just like just being there is like it was just unreal. Because like I said, I've been watching these guys since yeah. two thousand six, and I've never been able to actually go to a game. I'm sitting there in the cup and just singing the entire time. And, like, there's fans from all different parts of the country, just all different parts of the world, actually, watching the game, too. And it was like, we all share this same kind of common – Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just – What was it, was it like before and after? Because, like, obviously you said you got there in the morning. So did you hit some bars that you knew of that were Liverpool – that were, like, uh, Liverpool bars, Reds bars? Yep. Uh, yeah, so I – And um, do after. Yeah, so we Googled, like, best bars, like, for Liverpool, like, Liverpool pregame bars or whatever. We found, like, six of them online, like, on the Anfield, what is like, the, the Anfield Wrap or whatever, their newspaper over there, Liverpool Echo. And um, so a whole bunch, just met a bunch of locals. Hey, we're from Boston. We didn't visit to the game. Um, this one group actually brought us, like, this dope-ass food spot that no one knows about in the area because it was, like, empty, which is perfect because there's lines to get food everywhere. Like, you want to get a coffee, there's lines everywhere. Um, so we went to a few bars, had a few drinks, got a lot of food before the game. Um, went to the pro shop. The pro shop was really, really cool as well. I spent too much money on old jerseys. I got like a bunch of like old retro jerseys just because. Because <laughs> why not? Exactly. I'm already there, right? Um, that was pretty cool. And then obviously the game was the game. After the game, we um so to get where we had to be, we had to be back in the um in like the, cent- the center of town. So the stadium's like probably 
like 15 minutes out of Liverpool, out of the center of Liverpool. So they actually offer a bus service back to the center of town. So we got a bus back to the center of town. And this was a, this was like a Thursday night. So people are still like going out or whatever. So we decided to just we legit went to a club and like went out till like 1 a.m. Oh, and then we had a, and then we had a drive back to, to London. So we picked up a rental car in Liverpool and drove back from Liverpool to London to catch our flight that next morning. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It was um from the 31st to like, till we left on the second, it really wasn't, I don't remember really remember much. It was kind of just a one big blur. Yeah, I bet. And that's why. So it seems. So, okay. Um, sorry. I didn't no, oh, you go, go, go ahead. I, didn't really... I was just going to say, my question is, uh, you know, especially among Liverpool supporters, I know you sat mostly with internationals, but what was the reception like when you were in, I know you met some locals that took you to some, took you to some food spots, but overall, did you, was it all positive when you met other Liverpool fans that were local? Um, so some, and this actually applies to almost every game. So it depends where you were at. So for Liverpool, yeah, the ones that obviously took us to get some food, like they really enjoyed us. Um, but you could tell that some of the people there were like, oh, we don't want like, inter- not that we don't want international fans, but they don't like the fact that like maybe we'll take tickets from like a local fan. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, although technically I believe the way it works is that you only get tickets, like the clubs only get tickets that are like kind of left over. But yeah, it, it was the same thing. Even for like the um for the Arsenal game it was the same thing. Some of the Arsenal fans were like, well, the ones who are diehard, because aren't, there aren't too many diehard Arsenal fans, it seems like, because Arsenal's a really big tourist. Like they're the biggest, yeah. they're the biggest team from a popularity point of view in, Lon- in London. Um, and a lot of like the real diehard fans are like, oh, well, like, you know, you come and buy your tickets here from America, but we have fans here who really want to watch the games, who've been fans since they were born, like they were born into the club and they can't go to games. And I, I see their point. But at the same time, it's like Liverpool tickets cost $60 to go. Like in US dollars, it was $60, but Arsenal tickets cost 140 And then it's like, Arsenal's yeah, not doing good. Liverpool's doing, yeah, which is kind of nuts. But then again, compared to what you get in America, like you want to go to a Patriots game and it's going to run you $300, like minimum. True. So, oh, plus yeah. fees, then you want to get food. So, I mean, it's all relative, but yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool tickets were like 60 bucks? They were, they were 60 bucks. We got tickets for 60 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah. Wow. Well, and that's actually kind of expensive for, for England. And, but when you think about it, they're, they're in first place. That's what I'm like, saying. European winners, like world winners, technically. So, I don't see – that's not even that bad. But um, you could tell that some of the fans were like, oh, they're, they're, for, they're, they're traveling fans. We don't really like – we don't like – not that they don't like us, but – in their eyes, they think that the club's going to go. And this is, I guess, Man City has the same issue. And United kind of has the same issue. And even Chelsea, when international owners come and start taking over clubs, they their goal is more about making money than necessarily growing the club. Although I do think John Henry's done a really good job of kind of growing the club. Right. And, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, when I look at it, dude, I mean, it's just it's it, we're in a different age now with, you know, social media, exactly. and more, you know, all these all these TV deals and stuff like that. I mean, Andrew and I have been following the team for 15 years at, at least. Cool. You know, what I mean, you know, and it's just like, you know, just because we don't live there, you know, if, if me and Andrew had the choice, we'd probably live there yeah. if we wanted to. We go to all yeah, places. no. And, but, and that's kind of what I would sell. So I would even so some of the fans who were like cool to have us around. They were like, so what is it like? being in England. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's cool, but some of the fans seem kind of like, they seem kind of anti, you know, they kind of seem kind of xenophobic, I guess. And I was telling the guy, like, I've been a fan, I've been watching Liverpool. I mean, I've pretty much watched every game in the last like three years. Like, I probably missed two or three, and I'm sure you guys are the same. And it's like, we're no less of a fan than anyone who's from there who watches every game. So obviously, when we get the one chance out of like the year to go there and watch, we're going to try and come by and watch. So, yeah. but I mean, if anyone, exactly. yeah, if anyone has any issues, I just don't really take much mind to it. In my opinion, it's like, I'm here for the one time. I may never, I may never come here again. Obviously, I want to, but it is what it is. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy my time here. And if you guys don't like it, 
too bad. I mean, we're I all mean, part of the same. Thing. I'm hoping when I go over there that I kind of get taken into the firm for Liverpool, just kind of like Elijah Wood does in Green Street Hooligans. So I, <laughs> I just live out the rest of my life. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, you're a bloody yank. Yeah. That's exactly. That's fine. I'll, be the, I'll be the bloody yank. Oh, that'd be hilarious. A Tom, a, a, a Tom Tit shit. That's what I'm Like bees and honey for money. <laughs> <laughs> I can quote that. I can quote that entire movie. It's not. Good. It's actually so funny how um the West End fans they all know the movie like they all know what it is. Uh, we actually met. There were some fans that we met on the way to the West End game who were from Germany and they went to West Ham because of they saw Greenfield Hooligans like like weeks. Before. <laughs> um, that's, that's so cool about being in Europe. You can you can get to England in like a two hour bus train ride or whatever, like two hour flight yeah, from like Germany. Depending on the teams. So um, I know we're going to get into how to get tickets and everything, but, like, if you want to go watch a big club, you have to pretty much have to have a fan club somehow, or you get them on, like, StubHub or whatever, which is technically illegal, but you can still do it. Um, but unless it's, like, a, unless it's a smaller club, it's almost impossible to get tickets for some of these games just because the stadiums are small, but there's so much more, there's so much more um, demand than supply, especially for Liverpool. Yeah, well, let's get, let's get right into that then uh, bef- before we tackle the whole, uh, you know, VAR thing. Yeah. You know, how – how did you go about getting tickets outside of Liverpool? Because obviously we know with Liverpool, uh, if you join the uh, USA membership, you get to put your name into a drawing to get the tickets. But the other games that were outside of Liverpool, you know, how did you go about getting tickets? What was that process? Yeah, like? so um, so for Arsenal, it's similar to Liverpool. How there's um, there's not really an Arsenal bar that you get tickets through, but there's like an Arsenal. It's called Arsenal America FC, and essentially you um, you put down like a forty dollar deposit per ticket. Or you buy a membership for 25 bucks and you put on a $40 deposit. Once the deposit's down, it's the same thing. It goes into a drawing. Now, that's for all of America, which I'm sure is much harder than getting tickets just for one, like, LFC bar. And um, luckily, we got both We got both games, which is really lucky in our part because they say that it's very difficult to get one game, let alone two. Although I do think traveling around Christmas makes it a bit easier because not yeah, many people recall Christmas. But that was for the Arsenal game. Um, for Crystal Palace... I got a membership. I didn't need to get one. I got an international membership, which was like $60. Um, and with that, you can pick any game you want to go to, home or away, and they'll get you tickets pretty much. And you get you got to get the tickets before anybody else outside of like season ticket holders. Damn. Pretty good. But I could have. That's pretty good. Game. Yeah. But I could have also just waited it out and then just got them through the website. So um, the way tickets go is um, they'll have like a, they'll have like a season ticket, a season ticket member like sale date, which is like the beginning of the year. Then they'll have like. If clubs are publicly traded, if you own like stock in the, in the team, you get you get your tickets then, and then it'll go like based on how many games you went to the previous year. So, for example, if you went to ten or more home games like last year, then you have first dibs on tickets this year, and then it goes oh. into eight to seven to six and so on and so forth. And then once that's already run through, it'll be open market. So you just buy tickets from the team on their website. So um, for Palace, I could have just waited to, to that last like to the open sale, but I got them early regardless. We got better seats because of that. Um, West Ham, same thing. Since they have such a big stadium, you can do the same way. So they don't always, they don't, they sell out technically, but they don't, they have an extra like couple thousand seats. So you can get tickets on an open market for them as well. Um, so we got both tickets for Palace through that. I mean, sorry, for uh, West Ham through that. Uh, Wolves, they're kind of like Liverpool. Their stadium is a bit smaller and they always sell out. So I just, I actually emailed, I went to the ticket agency and I just emailed like their ticketing office and said, hey, I'm an American fan trying to watch a game. What game do you think it's possible to go to, go to a game? And they said, "Hey, we have this thing where we 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 save twenty, we save thirty tickets a game for international fans." And since I was the first person to email them, because this is like July, since I was the first person to email them, they just gave me tickets pretty much that easy. 
Wow. <laughs> That's sick. So, like, you just, if you email a bunch of these ticket offices, they'll, they'll help you out. Like, a lot of these smaller clubs, they want to grow into America. And in their eyes, if they can get American fans, it'll, like, grow their game. They get more money, et cetera. Like, they, they're, these are all businesses at the end. And they know that America is, like, a big market. And it's, it's predominantly unfound outside of the bigger clubs. If you're, like, a Wolves or a or even, like, a Sheffield United, you want to get more American fans, just say, hey, we're, we're a club in England. And, like, you give them some story about how the club grew up and someone's going to become a fan, you know? Right. Um. So that was West Ham, that's Crystal Palace, that's Arsenal, and then Liverpool. And then I, the Millwall-Luton game was similar. We just bought them. So that was that day, the, um, January 1st, and we, pre- we pretty much just said, hey, who plays in London on the 1st and doesn't play at 8 p.m. because Arsenal's game was at 8 p.m. and doesn't play at 6 p.m. because West Ham's game was at 6 p.m. And Millwall was playing, and I think Fulham was playing. And I said, I, I thought about Green Street Hooligans, and I was like, I'd rather go watch Millwall than watch Fulham. Fulham. So we went to Millwall. <laughs> and um, same thing, tickets were dumb cheap. They were like $25. Like U.S. dollars was nothing really, and um, sat really close to the stadium. And same thing, you just since they're not a big club, I'm sure when they go, if they get promoted to the EPL, it might change because they'll get more attendance. But yeah, um, their stadium, yeah, exactly. Their stadium is really small, so I mean, so but they still didn't sell out. So they just you just you can you can honestly go to the game and buy tickets there for Millwall. But for most of the EPL teams, it's, that's almost impossible. I even think I met one Bournemouth fan when they played against West Ham. Bournemouth Stadium fits eleven thousand people. Like it's really really small. And they have 10,000 season ticket holders. So they only sell 1,000 tickets a game. So it's almost impossible Damn. to get Bournemouth tickets. Like, if you're not a season ticket holder, you, you can't get them. Jeez. Every team's kind of different. But uh, the, the, and honestly, the worst part is just kind of you have to plan everything ahead of time. So, like I said, this, all this planning was done in, like, June, July. Like, as you guys know, when you apply for the, Liverpool, for the Liverpool tickets, you have to do it in, like, July for the first half of the season. Then I think it's November for the second half of the season. So – Plan everything out early and then book your flights. You can either, I took a risk and booked our, we booked our flights before we got the tickets. You can wait till I have to get tickets, but it's pretty much up to you at your discretion, essentially. Damn. Well, that's really helpful stuff. Thank you for sharing all that. I think um, all Americans here listening to the podcast will definitely take some notes on that. Um, so definitely appreciate it. But really, the last thing I want to cover on your trip is this whole new VAR experience. Because I know you saw a couple of different times when VAR was, was put to use. But yeah. it seems like it's a really negative experience for the fans. So what was that like for yeah, you? Yeah, it's – um. so to give examples, so for the um the City versus Wolves game, that was the one where Ederson got a red card for coming out. And it takes – like, you know, it feels like it's a minute, but you have a, you have your phone there. You can go on your laptop. You can, like, kind of – you can, like – you can waste the time. When you're yeah. at the stadium – if there's no screen, because so Wolves have no screen because it's, it's an older stadium. Now that it's Anfield, by the way, which kind of sucks as well. You don't see any replays. You just kind of hear you hear red or you hear uh, referee blows his whistle says VAR, and they don't go to the monitors because they're, they're British. I don't know what they just they just don't like going to monitors for some reason. And the referee just sits in the middle of the field, just with with, with his hand up, saying wait, and they just and he just points to his ear and says I'm waiting on VAR, and it it feels like it's forever. And like five minutes feels like twenty minutes. Like I'm sure you guys know when you, when you sit and wait for anything, it takes forever. Yeah, it just and, kills um, the momentum of the game. I and personally, I don't mind VAR too much. I actually like it as an idea. I just think they need to streamline it. And yes. it's funny how only England has an issue with it. So like they had they've had it at MLS for a couple of years. It doesn't seem to be that bad. They have it in Germany. They have it in Italy. It doesn't seem to be that bad. Like exactly. But in England, they just don't. They don't want referees to go to the monitor, and I think they take way too long. And I think they take long because they don't want to let referees just go to the monitor, take a quick look at it, and then leave. Um, and then even for – and we didn't even have any offsides problems. We, it, for us, it was just fouls. Like all the, and they're fouls that you could easily see were fouls in, in real time. So, like, the VAR shouldn't really take too long, in my opinion, at all. Yeah. 
But um, right. Anfield was even worse because Anfield, like I said, has no screen. So for example, um, West Ham they have a like a really big screen. So if there's a VAR call, you can kind of see the replay over and over again. So the fans kind of know what's going on. And usually after seeing it once or twice, you know if it's a foul, if it's offsides, etc. But at Anfield, they just have these two little, these two little like um, like they're two little monitors that are like long and skinny, which just show the score. And on the monitor, it'll just say VAR check, but you don't see anything. So you have no idea what's going on. So it's actually better to watch from home than it is to watch from the stadium from a VAR point of view. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I can de- I definitely see what you mean, too, by like being there and having to feel longer. Like yeah. not having those distractions and like being able to look on your uh, on Twitter really quick and stuff like that. That definitely like takes your mind off of how long like 60 seconds really is. Like that's exactly so, like, you know what I mean? So. Um, I think we can all agree, you know, there definitely needs to be some tune up there. I'm sure they might make some slight tweaks to VAR in the entire process. This, I hope so. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, this break. But, hey, Kiri, that was awesome. Uh, sounds like that was an amazing trip. I know Andrew and I are definitely jealous, and uh, hopefully we'll be doing something similar. Yeah, I would uh, plan. I mean, I wouldn't. So the one thing I would say is if you want to plan a trip for, like, the winter break like that, then, then the planning is, like, the biggest part. Like, Airbnbs, hotels, whatever is really, really big. Yeah. If you do it like a smarter way and just kind of go for like a week and a half and then just go to like, you know, one or two games as opposed to eight, then it'd be a much more like, it might be a bit more joyous because I was pretty much just up, beer, coffee, sleep, <laughs> up, beer, coffee. Like that was pretty much all my trip was. And then going to games, obviously. But if you want to like, you know, do a bit more sightseeing and stuff, then it might be a bit smarter to go when it's maybe a little warmer outside. And then obviously you can actually see other stuff as well. And it'll probably Andrew. Be- Andrew, any other questions about uh, about the trip before we touch on a couple of transfer things? No, I think that's it for me, man. I'm jealous as well. <laughs> we really need to get there next year. Yes, we do, and we will, we will. But um, the two things I wanted to cover, um, you know, we kind of overshot the episode here, but I thought there was two things transfer wise I just wanted to bring up. We've been yeah. constantly linked to Timo Werner. Um, and now, now we know that he has a 60 million pound bio clause, which is $51 million. And honestly, just with Liverpool's overall relationship with Lipsig, I, I just have a feeling that he's our number one option right now, um, especially for that value and what he's doing in the Bundesliga this year. Um, you know, how do you see him potentially filling into this team? And do you think he's our number one option? I do. Yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's our number one go-getter right now. We, we need to lock him down in the summer. Um, I think he has 20 goals in the Bundesliga, six assists. Uh, I'm not sure what he's been doing in uh, Champions League, but I think he's going to tear apart Arsenal or uh, Tottenham. But <laughs> yeah, um, first. but no, I, I mean, I think he's – is it 50 million or 60 million pounds buyout clause? You said – oh, 60 million. Okay. Yeah. yeah 60, 60 million. 60, yeah. I think that's a bargain for him. He's, he's young. He's real up and coming. And I think with Salah and um, – uh, Sadio Mane going to Africa Cup of Nations next year, mid-season. That would be yeah. huge, you know, very handy. Um, you know, so we'll see. It's funny. I actually – so I watched them play. They played against um, – who did they play? I watched their game today Bayern against Bayern Munich. Yeah. It was kind of a boring game. It finished 0-0. And he missed, like, two really, really easy chances. But um, but, but he's, he's fast. He's really, really he'd – be, he'd be like an easy person to just kind of throw into our team, I think, and it would work out because he's very, very pacey. Right. Um, and, it, I mean, he has plenty of goals, so clearly he can finish. Maybe not today, but – so I think he would actually fit into our team perfectly. And I do think it would be good to get someone who's a bit younger because, obviously, Bobby Moe and, and um, Omane, they're all, like, what, 28, 29, yes. getting to that. So it's like you don't want your whole forward line to kind of get old at the same time because then you're – you obviously, then you're in a tough spot. Right. But I yeah, also – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, too, I'm also not too confident that 
they're all going to stay too. I'm, 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 I don't know why. For some reason, I think if we win Champions League again, win the league, it's like there's a decent chance they go and say, "Hey, well, I've won everything in Liverpool. I want to go try something else." Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like that could happen. I don't, I don't know. I, I think they all love playing for club. So I think, True. I think he's the best manager in the world. You know, he gets the most out of their players. They've all progressed since they've been under him. Yeah, um, very true. So I, I don't, I mean, from a player point of view, I don't understand why you would go. And like, if they look at people who have left, like look at Coutinho, look at Emre Can. Yeah. Where are their careers now? Emre Can went back to Germany. Yeah, he's with Dortmund now, but he basically failed at Juventus. Coutinho, I don't think anybody wants him at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you leave Klopp, that's kind of what happens to you. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> No, I pretty much agree. I just think Timo Werner, you know, he, he'd give us some flexibility along the front four. You know, he can play center. He, he can play center forward. He could play even in the 10. But I think that also allows Bobby to play in that 10 role. So I think having a guy like that is going to add some flexibility. Yeah. But the main thing that, that's kind of new is that it turns out that outside back cover for Andy Robertson might be a priority. I 100% agree. I think we need somebody who can play on both outside backs. I have my eye on a guy like, you know, Aaron's who's on Norwich. They're going to get relegated. Maybe they'll get him for a pretty good price. But what are your thoughts on trying to add to that back line and get another depth piece for next year? Um, I'm, I'm very confident in our right back position. I think Nico Williams can slot in there very easily, seamlessly, and, uh, you know, perform not as good as Trent, obviously, but I think he could have a solid, uh, solid amount of assists on his, on his score sheet uh, at the end of the year. But, um, Left back, I think – I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't mind promoting LaRucci. I think he looked decent. You know, he has pace. I think he needs to learn a little bit. But, um, uh, I mean, I'm confident in him coming. I'm confident in Milner slotting in left back if we have to. You know, he can get the job done. He's not going to do anything flashy. But um, but I'm also not opposed to this Aaron's guy. I'm not, I don't actually don't know him too well. But um, if uh, if we get a decent fee for him, then why not? Yeah, I think I think we're gonna end up. So I don't know how much like Bundesliga you guys watch. I think uh, that guy uh, Guerrero on Dortmund. Mm, I don't know if you guys yeah, know about him. Good. No, he's good. He played for Portugal in the, in the Euros. I think he works because he he be like our Milner because he he can play left back, left midfielder, and center midfield. Because I think for Portugal he plays in the midfield, it's like center mid, and then for Dortmund he plays left back. Oh, um, wow. I don't know if he can play both left and right side because he's left footed. But um, and he's kind of small. He's not as pacey as a, as a Rabo, but. The fact that he can play almost anywhere in the midfield and then also play left back, I think he might be a good. Even if he even if he plays a lot more, he may not necessarily be a backup for um for for Robbo, but he could probably be the kind of guy where he plays in the midfield and then if Robbo gets hurt or whatever, we move him to left back. And um, obviously he's younger than Milner, so I'm pretty confident in that as well. Yeah, I just feel like it's tough to convince a sign-in uh, from another club to come in and and ride the bench. Where I mean, Robbo plays basically every game. Trent plays basically every. That's game. true. I mean, I'm all for it. Like a solid back. Yeah. That's what City has, you know. City has Cancelo and well, Benjamin Mendy. On yeah, back. So yeah, that's what I always say. Like they bought they bought Bernardo Silva that in Pep's I think his second season, and he didn't even play till last year. Yeah, and Bernardo Silva's a really good player. So like, not that it's fair to a player to have to go sit on the bench, but at this at like the way this the way that like the league's going and how the top teams are, you just kind of have to have, you have to have that much depth. Yeah, I agree. You know. 
Awesome. Well, I think um, I think that just about does it for this uh, for this episode. We've got about ninety minutes here. So, uh, Akiri, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your um, your experience there. And I'm I'm sure that Andrew and I would uh, definitely going to have you on again this year. Um, you know, oh, thanks for having one me. of the games here. But uh, any final thoughts, Akiri, Andrew, before we let everyone go? Uh, I enjoyed enjoy speaking with you guys. Obviously, I'm looking to do another trip sometime soon. Probably not as as hectic or as crazy, but definitely want to get back there and uh and ch- ch- cheer the boys on a little bit. Damn right. Yeah, I'll just say I'll just say up the Reds. Looking forward to Norwich this weekend. It was uh it was tough not watching anything this past weekend, but uh, yeah, glad to have Akiri on. And I think we all need to get back to uh, the Phoenix here in Cambridge, Boston. And uh, yes, I agree. Yes. Yeah, I'll you guys haven't been there for a while. I'll you guys def- leave me hanging. I know. Hey, well, I'll definitely be there this weekend. Mark my words. I'll be there for the Norwich game. Uh-huh. And uh, if anyone else in Boston is listening, feel free to swing by, say hello. Um, but yeah, up the Reds. Thanks, everybody.